0: everyone hey. how's everybody doing Woo. all right got a mixture of a response there hey just real quick let me give you a heads up on how the service is gonna look i'm gonna preach okay so got that cleared out of the way oh hey that's that's all right i like that well that was that, that was minimum applause though i'll i'll take it i'll take it but i'll no 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 <laughs> yes more of that please because it's all about me no just kidding just kidding um uh, but afterward, after the sermon, we're going to have three different elders come up and say a little something. So I'm going to try to preach quick, okay, so we give them plenty of time. But today is the day we're going to kind of announce our new elders and deacons, and the elders wanted to make sure we had a chance to kind of go over the prayer requests that we take, uh, give a charge to our elders, deacons, and, and the church in, in light of some of these new relationships, and then finally, um, a prayer for them. So we're going to do that afterward. So, you know, sometimes when you're in the rhythm of the church service and Patrick gets done, you're like, okay, time for lunch. Just just cool it a little bit but I'll try to be quick in case you want to watch the Vikings game. We'll we'll do what we can. <clears throat> so the, uh, the holidays are here, and uh, ready or not, right, they're, they're here. And if, if you've been doing any sort of retail shopping, they've had Christmas stuff up at some of these places since September. So it's a little ridiculous. I get that. And sometimes we, we skip right through Thanksgiving, go to Christmas, and I'm like, come on, give Thanksgiving a shot. But, but it's kind of this whole sort of thing, the holidays. And, and it's just it's everywhere, and, and, and we're in it now. This is it. So ready or not, here we go, right? There's, there's lots of good and, and maybe a little bad to this. Now, one of the one of the questions, one of the like kind of the premise a little bit of what we want to talk about is this idea of of how would Jesus celebrate the holidays? And I realize that may sound a little trite, and I don't want it to, and, and I'll explain a little bit more detail here in just a second, but how would Jesus celebrate the holidays? Like, would, would he go to the family Thanksgiving dinner? Would he get his family together? And would they do the turkey and all that? And would they have the, the normal stuff? Would Jesus watch football on Thanksgiving Day? Or would he be out, like, healing people? And if he did watch football, he'd have to be a Saints fan, right? That seems like the only logical <laughs> Kind of uh, fan um, team for him to watch. But like, would he decorate? Would he get gifts? And I realize all that seems like ridiculously trite. But you got to understand, we as human beings, we as Americans, put so much stock in the holidays that the way we behave around the holidays is pretty important. Sometimes the way we behave around the holidays reveals the true self. And so, even if it seems like a little bit of a ridiculous question, the the idea is, how can we celebrate the holidays with the values of Jesus? Now, if you are, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge in here, and you just hate the holidays altogether, you don't have anything to do with them, you don't want to sing another song, you don't want to think another thing, you don't want to see another, you know, mistletoe or whatever, you don't want to, none of that, that's fine. There's a lot in here for you. I don't want you to think that what we're talking about is somehow just for this next six weeks. It's, it's for our lives, but I think the holidays kind of bring some, some pressures that reveal a lot about who we are, uh, that it's important to, to ask ourselves, how do we celebrate with the values of Jesus. So, so we're going to tackle that question this morning. And we're going to jump right in in the book of Matthew chapter 14. Book of Matthew chapter 14. Chris alluded to this in his communion talk earlier book of Matthew chapter 14, but this is one of those passages in Scripture where there is a lot going on in the life of Jesus and the lives of the apostles that are with him. And it starts out pretty simply. It says, John's disciples, of course this is a relative of Jesus who had had kind of risen up and told everybody Jesus was coming, but somebody that was important to uh, Jesus. John's disciples came and took his body, John's body. John was dead and they buried it. And then they went and told Jesus. So Jesus is getting some bad news right here. This isn't the the best moment of his day. And and for some people, the holidays can be like a reminder of some difficulties. Some things that have happened. Maybe someone that's been lost around this time. Or maybe the, the tension of a family relationship kind of blew up. And the holidays remind you of the fact that you don't have the relationship with someone that you wanted to have. But this is not a good time for Jesus at this moment. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. You think he's trying to tell everybody something? Like, all right, guys, I know it's been fun. We've been doing a lot of fun healing things. I've been doing some teaching. You guys have liked it. But it is now time for me, you know, the doctor is out privately to a solitary place and he gets in a boat and he starts paddling across the lake or sailing or whatever i just, I just imagine jesus kind of out there paddling something about that image seems like uh really like calming i don't know why hearing of this in verse 13 hearing of this the crowds followed him on foot from the towns now we may not think about this kind of thing because a lot of us are built so differently right Some of us get energy from being around people, but even me, even me, who's somebody who's who's an extrovert, every once in a while I could use a little space, right? I mean, every couple of years I got to recharge the old batteries and I got to get away. But some of you are like, no, no, every day I need that solitary time. I need that solitude. Um, But all of us have like this in different ways where we're just in a situation and we just don't want to make the small talk. We don't want to say one more time, yeah, what a crazy fall it's been and it's really cold now. We just don't want any of that. We're not in the mood for that. We're not wanting to be around people and Jesus is in this place. And here come these crowds following him, following him away. Now, we don't get a lot of uh, celebrity attention, right? You've never had paparazzi stalking you or You've never had people say, oh, I think that's so-and-so right down the street, like, looking and staring at you. You never had anything like that? Probably not, unless you did something, unless you had something on your face, or you're wearing something, or your pants were unzipped. You don't get a lot of people pointing and staring. We don't have a lot of that. But, believe it or not, I've had this experience. Now, I know, like, like what are you talking about? You're preaching at a small church. Nobody knows who you are. You're right. That's true. But... When we were growing up in Taiwan, my parents did some mission work for a few years. You learned a little bit about that last week. When we were growing up in Taiwan, we were in this town, relatively small town by, by their standards, where it was essentially devoid of any foreigners. So when we would go out and about in the streets everybody would stare at us. You'd be walking down the street. Every head would turn. Everybody would look at you. The teenagers, they all assumed we were Americans. They didn't know if we were Canadian or British or Australian or whatever. They all just assumed we were Americans. So as you'd ride by on your bike or your scooter or whatever, they'd be like, Americans, Americans, you know, yelling it so all the neighbors could come out and say, oh, the Americans. And uh, and, and if you live in a place like Taiwan, I'm not, you know, I'm fairly average height here, but in Taiwan, I am like, I am... I'm Shaq. I'm a huge, tall person in Taiwan. So I just go strolling through the crowd and the crowds part and everybody's looking up at me. And it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I'm not exaggerating. Like if a kid was old enough to be curious, they might run, come up to me and like touch my skin because they'd never seen the, this before. Or they would touch my hair because they'd never seen hair that wasn't the same color before. Uh, if, you can imagine my mom with the red hair on a Vespa riding down this tree like, Whoa, what is that? But, but uh, they would all, they, if, uh, if it was a teenager, they would yell the American words that they knew at us. Like, oh, and they weren't rarely, were they polite words, right? Those are the words that they pick up in the movies. Uh, but we were like, we, we got a lot of attention. And every once in a while, you just wanted to walk in a store and have a little bit of anonymity. You just wanted nobody to stare at you, nobody to look at you, nobody to point at you. And, and thank goodness there wasn't, you know, the ubiquity of cell phones back then because people, people would be taking pictures with you. And those of you that had visited some other countries like that, you probably had people, hey, can I take a picture with you? I know uh, Ryan Chapel is in the house today. He went to China one time, and Ryan's taller than me. Man, if I'm Shaq, Ryan's like Manute Bowl, and that's digging deep in the NBA references. He's really tall. And uh, people took their, they wanted, like, I want my picture with this guy. He's a big, tall guy. And, and if you 've never had that sort of thing, you don 't understand like how you how much you crave the anonymity of just being able to blend in with the crowd for once, just being left alone for once, where everywhere you go, oh, this is an American, or can I talk to you, or can I yell English words at you? You just want, for once, just be able to walk somewhere where nobody looks at you. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody stares at you. None of that. And so I know it's not the same thing as being a celebrity, but it's that that sense of craving, that anonymity that you just didn't get very often. And I can imagine Jesus felt like that. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And it says in, in ver, verse 14, when Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had to be like, oh, goodness, come on, guys, give me a break. Just give me, give me something. And I, I love this because I feel like this makes Jesus so relatable. Like, have you ever been in a store and you saw somebody you knew and you just weren't feeling talking to him? Yeah, you have. Believe it or not, I've done that too. Where I've seen somebody down the aisle. Now, most of the time, I'm like, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, and they're the ones who are like, uh, fine," you know, like trying to duck behind the aisles or whatever. But every once in a while, you'll see somebody and just like, I just don't have the energy to interact right now. And Jesus had to feel like he had to like come up on shore and he had to be like, "Now, his temptation would have been right. Just keep paddling. Don't make eye contact." Just don't look over there. But Jesus, hey, we're over here. Jesus is like, I don't hear anything. Just keep paddling. Just keep paddling. But he had this, like, this kind of this, this, this moment that I feel like is so relatable where we have to make this choice, where we have this, this expectation and this desire. Jesus wanted peace. He wanted sol- solitude. He wanted privacy. This is what he wanted. He, was, he wanted this. And here he is confronted with this needy crowd that's just clamoring for his attention. And you can imagine Jesus like, oh, come on, just leave me alone, guys. Just keep paddling. Have you, ever, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever in a, been in a moment where what you wanted, what you expected, what you desired was over here, and somebody is kind of demanding your time, your attention, your comfort, whatever that is? Um, I just imagine this would have been a tough thing for him to do, for him to, to, to choose. We get that email that says, service opportunity. And you're like, oh, that's code for helping somebody. Don't even read that email. Because then you have to say, oh, yeah, I saw the email. This way, plausible deniability. I didn't, I didn't see the email. What are you talking about? i sorry. I couldn't help. Or maybe you want Thanksgiving dinner to be just perfect, just, just absolutely right. But if you invite that one in-law, if you extend the invitation to that one in-law, you know it's going to be ruined. They're going to say something. They're going to do something. They're going to say, uh, listen, I've decided I'm vegan for this Thanksgiving, so I'll make sure there's vegan options or whatever. And you're like, oh, come on. Like, just give me a break. I just want something simple. Maybe you settled in for a long winter's nap. It's Sunday afternoon, and then your phone starts buzzing. Oof. Accept, dismiss. And you're like, I'm so comfortable. The game's on. It's, that, all. They never call me unless they need something from me. Just keep paddling, just keep paddling. I mean, we've all felt like that, where what we wanted out of life was not, was, and somebody was demanding something from, from us that we just didn't feel like we could give them. And we have to make this choice. We had to make this choice. Now, Jesus, obviously, made the right choice, right? He had compassion on them and healed their sick. But you've got to understand what Jesus was giving up in order to do that. This is not what he wanted to do. This is not what he set out to do. He set out to be uh, alone by himself, but he made this choice. And this is a hard thing to do because in Jesus, he put people over his plans. He put people over his plans. He allowed people to disrupt his plans because this is what we do. I I brought this up here just to kind of give you a little bit of an illustration. We've got our expectations for how we want things to go, right? Right? We've got our plans. I found some blueprints here. This is how we've decided we want our day to be mapped out. And so we're like, okay, these these are my plans for the day. I'm going to stuff them in my expectation box here. I've got my plans for my day. My plans probably involve a nap, nice long winter sleep. These are my plans for my day. I'm going to set this in my expectation box. Now understand, this is not stuff that's happened yet, but this is what you're intending to do. This is how I'm going to spend my time. I got, I got plans for my time. I got expectations for my time. All I could find was three bucks, but this is how I'm going to spend my money, right? Three dollars. You got to go to Dollar Tree to make this go anywhere, but whatever. These are the plans that I got. It was what was in my office. Oh, four. Hey, I'm rich now. All right. These are the plans. Maybe we even have expectations for like our relationships and what we want that person to do, how we want them to respond. We know we're gonna ask them to say something or we're gonna ask something from them and this is what we want. It could be a spouse, like this is just what I want from you. Would you just, this is my expectation for you and then they don't react the way we want them to react. Maybe we have expectations for our church. I got these cool church t-shirts here. Expectations for how the church should be and how the sermon should be and how the song should be and I brought a friend today and I you did this thing and I didn't make any sense. Why did we sing that song? We sounded horrible, or whatever. We have expectations. These are not real. These are what we want to have happen. These are this is our box of expectations, and then somebody comes along, and says, "Hey, uh, uh, I could you know I, I could use a little bit of your of your time. Can I can I have some time?" And we're like, I, "I I had I had plans for that time. Can I can I have some of it? Like oh I I don't come on oh okay." all right, you can have a little bit of my time. Maybe, you know, maybe we don't. Maybe we just make something up. People, have, we, people come along and say, you know, I know you wanted a long winter's rest, but you know what, I got some, I got some, uh, some requests of you that are going to require a little bit of discomfort, and you're not going to get that nap that you wanted. And you're like, I need to recharge the batteries. I need that. I need that. And we've got this dilemma. People come along and ask us uh, expectations for our money, expectations for our day. And so this box of expectations that we have and what we want to do, they get disrupted by people. And we've got a choice. Do we carefully sit and protect this? Do we guard this thing? Do we make sure that this, is all, this all stays intact and say, you know what, I'd love to help, but I already have my time mapped out. I already have my day mapped out. I already have my nap mapped out. I already ha- know what I like for church, and Patrick, you're trying to disrupt that. I'm not sure that I'm okay with that. Do we try to protect this box of expectations? Or, when it's necessary, are we willing to put people over our plans, people over our expectations, now, remember, this box isn't real. This is not stuff that has happened yet. This is what we intend to do, right? And these aren't bad things. There's nothing wrong. We need rest. We need to be careful with our money. We need to have our day mapped out. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with these things. But do we We have this sense where we've built everything into this, and we're like, now I've got to protect this. I've got to keep people away from it. I've got to make sure that nobody takes away my time, my comfort, my, my money. It was perfect. Man, why would you have to go... And mess with it. Now we do this at the holidays too, right? You have your expectations for how the holidays are going to be, don't you? You have your expectations for where you're going to spend the holidays. And then that Uncle Joe man went and got married, and his new wife preempted. We always go to Grandma's house. Always go to Grandma's house. But this new wife, before anybody could make any tell her better, she invited everybody over to their two bedroom apartment. And you're like, what? No, like there's uh, we have expectations for the holidays, and then she tells you like, hey, this is going to be a gluten-free Thanksgiving. You're like, what? No way. I'm bringing a bag of gluten with me. I'm just going to eat gluten for Thanksgiving. This is ridiculous. Or maybe, maybe you always buy something nice for them at Christmas. You're thoughtful. You're careful with your gift. You, you make sure that you get the right thing. It's practical, but it's personal. It's just perfect, right? It's the perfect gift, and they look like they found it on the side of the road on the way to Christmas dinner. Like, they don't think about it at all. And you're like, come on. Like, this is, I had plans for this perfect Thanksgiving. Or maybe you're like one of those people you told everybody, come on, wear red and green. We're going to get a family picture. It's not very often. We have all 27 members of the family in one house. And grandma wants a picture. And we're going to get a picture. Everybody, you wear red and green so we can get this family picture. And Uncle Joe, come on, Uncle Joe, where's his Vikings jersey So everybody's in red and green, but Uncle Joe's like standing there like, whoop, you know, come on, man, just get with the program. You had plans and expectations for this holiday, and people are messing it up, and it's difficult because if we're honest, we are often more interested in choosing plans over people. We're more interested in choosing plans over people, if we're honest. We've all faced this dilemma. How do I react when people threaten to disrupt my box of expectations? Earlier this week, I was driving along. Now, I have got a theory about how you use the horn in the car. In Minnesota, people do not agree with my theory, because in Minnesota, people assume that the horn in the car is a built-in rudeness button. And if you honk the horn, you're saying, I hate you, I hate your family, I hate your kids, I hate everything you stand for, I hate your politics, everything. Like, it's this built-in rudeness button. I think a horn is a tool that is put on the car, and if somebody's like, not ready to go at the light, you honk the horn and like, let them know, or if somebody does something weird, you honk. It's okay. It's a tool. It's like using your blinker. We wouldn't think it's rude to use the blinker. Come on, use the horn. It's okay. But Minnesota is so polite. No joke, a couple days ago, I was in, uh, in, in line with a bunch of cars, and somebody a couple cars over honked their horn, and everybody for three rows moved up. like They were all being honked at, like, oh no, is that me? And like, Whatever, just relax. The horn is okay. It's okay to use. So I'm driving the other day. I have my oldest daughter in the car with me. And this guy stops in the middle of the road. Complete stop. And I'm like, well, what is this? And so I'm like, excuse me, please move. You know, like, very polite. You know, if you honk it a couple times, it's somehow more polite than just laying on it, right? You can communicate with that horn. You just lay on it, and you're like, you know, I hate you, that kind of thing. But a very polite, come on, excuse me, please move. And he just came to a complete stop. And I'm like... (laughs) this is not a stop. (laughs) You know, come on, read the Morse code, buddy. Like, and he's not doing anything. I have no idea what's going on. And come on, let's go. You know, a probably four, five, six, 12 times. I don't know. You know, it may have overdone it a little bit. It's possible. It's totally possible. So this guy, uh, he's at a complete stop and he starts to open his door and I'm like, oh, something's wrong with his car. Of course, he's going to get out, and he's going to tell me something's wrong with the car. So I kind of open my door, roll down my window a little bit. Hey, is everything okay? And he gets out of his car. You know, he's in front of me like this. He gets out of his car, and he's like, he tells me he's going to do some inappropriate things to me, by the way. He said, you pull your car over because we're going to do some inappropriate things. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do inappropriate things. (laughs) I'm not interested in that. No, thank you. Like, he is angry at me. He wants, he's like, get out of your car. I'm going to fight you. And he added a few little things in it. I'm going to fight you. And I'm like, what? This guy wants to fight me? For real? Like, I've never had this happen before. This guy wants to get out of his car and fight me. Now, true story. This is true. I totally could have taken him. That's, that, (laughs) that's true. I'm not, I'm not kidding. You're like, I don't know, but I totally could have taken him. He was wearing, anyway. But And this is true. I was wearing my Woodbury Church of Christ (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. So, um, yeah, you want to fight? All right. In the name of... And also, I had my daughter in my car, and also, I don't really like to fight, so that, none of that was going to happen. But uh, it was, I thought it was like, this guy had expectations for how I should treat him on the road, and I wasn't meeting those expectations, so he was mad at me. Now, I, would, I honestly, honestly was going to try to help him. I thought maybe he ran out of gas. I would have gone and gotten him some gas. I thought maybe he needed a jump. I would have given him a jump. I was going to help. Hey, can I help you? And he's, let's fight. Pull over. Let's fight uh, you know, I was like, what are you talking about? That's what I said. What are you talking about? Like, what? Like, like now I'm kind of offended that he wants to fight me and like, he thinks he can fight me. But this is, this is, this, this is a little off topic, right? You know, I'm like, come on, you can't fight me, old dude. Anyway, it's just, anyway, sorry, sorry. This is, this is off topic. This is off topic. But he, he, I guess to fight me, pulled over, this is true, into a church parking lot, And I was like, oh man, I was so tempted to be like, just because I'm a reasonable, like like pull over and be like, dude, I was using my horn. Stop being all Minnesotan about it. Like it's no big deal. Like whatever. That was my temptation. But Taya was in the car and she was just like mortally embarrassed about this whole thing. Like this whole scene, this guy wanting to fight me, didn't want to have anything to do with it. So he pulled over into this church parking lot. Now this is what I think. I think that church service—it was this last Tuesday—and they were having some sort of church event, like a Thanksgiving thing. I think he was going to that church service for that Thanksgiving event. I don't know. I totally, i got on like that church services website. I thought, how hilarious would it be if he was like one of the pastors of this church, like <laughs> wanting to fight, like showdown, you know, church showdown? But he had expectations for me, and I, of course, I just drove on, and you know, like and, and like I do when somebody's angry at me, I'm always like, oh, see you later, you know, like <laughs> try to be super. Super polite about it, but, you know, which just makes them more upset. But I defied his expectations about how another driver should behave, how another driver should be, and what should happen. I defied his box of expectations, and he was angry about it. He was mad about it. I I don't think you see this any more clearly for just human beings than when it comes to things like lines, especially, especially flights, especially canceled flights. Because if you've ever been in a situation where a flight has been canceled, you have 200 people who have had their box of expectations defied, and it is fascinating like nothing else to see how they respond to that. There are some people who just melt down into a puddle of emotions like this is the end of their life. Nothing else can happen. There are some people who just take it with ease, like they're, they're ready for it, and they just go lay down on a bench somewhere and take a nap. They have no problems with it. There's some people who, these poor clerks, they have no control over the weather. They have no control over the situation. And there's people in their face just yelling at them, like trying to reduce this human being down to nothing because their box of expectations of getting somewhere at a certain time has been disrupted. Their plans are more important than people. But we got to ask ourselves a really difficult question. How are we when people disrupt our box of expectations? Maybe the examples I give you are not things that you mind giving up, but I guarantee you we could put something in this box that would bother you to give up. It would be upsetting to you to give up. In fact, as I talk about this, some of you have already taken something and you said, this thing, this expectation cannot be touched. Nobody can mess with this. This plan, nobody can mess with it. It's off limits. The Holy Spirit might try knocking on the door, but it's not going to get messed up. It's not going to get messed with because this... this my, these plans are off the table. And here's Jesus giving us an example of wanting privacy, wanting solitude, seeking those things, paddling along. And here's this crowd that just that needs him. And in, for him, the people were the priority over the plans. I want to wrap up this morning and try to give you three just brief ways to, to help us process this choice when we're forced to have this decision of plans versus people Help us make better choices. Number one, unrealized plans are the norm, not the exception. If you try to too carefully protect this box, you're just going to be angry all the time. Unrealized plans are the norm, not the exception. We, we tend to put our emotional stability in this box, and when things don't go our way, we're upset. If our happiness relies on someone or something else behaving according to our expectations, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. Flights get canceled. Restaurants mess up orders. Crowds won't leave you alone. In-laws show up to Thanksgiving dinner. Other drivers honk their horns when you're inexplicably stopped in traffic. Like, like it's, it's the nature of our limited knowledge and circumstances that things, many, most things are beyond our control. And so if we put too much faith in things going just right, we're always going to be frustrated and upset and annoyed and rude and hurting others. Unrealized expectations are the norm, not the exception. There's a verse in Proverbs I want you to look at real quick. Proverbs 19, verse 21, just says this. You can make many plans. Good luck with that. But the Lord's purpose will prevail. Go ahead. Write down your calendar. Feel free. If that makes you feel better, but those plans aren't set in stone. It's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. By the way, um, God himself is a disruptor of our plans. Have you ever noticed that? God himself? Have you, just ask Abraham or Moses or Peter or Paul. Hey, you had plans for your life. Did they go like you thought they would? No, not at all. God himself is a disruptor of our carefully laid plans. So realize when things don't go the way you want them to do, like Christ, have compassion. Secondly, secondly, relational health is better than perfectly met expectations. You will be happier with relational health than with perfectly met expectations. You may not have realized this, but Solomon actually wrote about Thanksgiving Day thousands of years ago. Probably didn't know that. I'm going to show you this this morning. Um, in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 1, I may not have it on the screen, but Proverbs 17, verse 1 says this, Better a dry crust eaten in peace relational health, better a dry crust, better just the leftover, the backside of the pizza that the kids don't want to eat, that's just been sitting out for three or four days with relational health, than a feast where there's conflict. I, I want, does that describe some of your Thanksgiving dinners? You put so much time and effort into making everything just right, and there's conflict. Well, great, yeah, fantastic. So the turkey was perfect. So the cranberry sauce was homemade. Fantastic, that's wonderful. But really, is this, uh, is this worth it? But, but what about when people are trying to intentionally disrupt your plans? What about that? I mean, that's kind of tough. You invite that in-law over that you were kind of on the fence about, and, and, and they, you know, because it's just always kind of rude. And they say something like, oh, good job. You gave it your best shot making this turkey. Nice try, you know, something like that. And it's like this backhanded compliment. You're like, that's it, gloves coming off, you know. Can't take this anymore. Or maybe you said, all right, folks, this year don't bring up politics. Really, right? Don't bring up politics. Don't say anything about politics. Don't talk about politics. And then Uncle Joe. Man, that guy's the worst, right? He's just the worst. Uncle Joe says, well, thanks a lot, Obama, or thanks a lot, Donald Trump, or thanks a lot, whatever, you know, and then just like, oh, Uncle Joe, I'm going to have to ask you to leave now. I haven't even eaten dessert. Out. Let's leave. Proverbs 17, 9 says something that I think is beautiful. Whoever would foster... Love covers over an offense. Foster love. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but whoever would create an environment for love, in which love can exist, will cover over an offense. Relational health is better than perfectly met expectations. Because unfortunately, like we're on the hunt to be offended sometimes, right? And then that happened? We're on the hunt. Maybe not you, but other people, right? They're on the hunt to be offended. Something happens like, I'm not sure if that's offensive, but I better shoot at it anyway, because just in case... We're on the hunt for that, and, and it says if you want to foster love, if you want to create an environment for love, it covers over an offense. Real quick, I, pro, I, I do need to say, I feel strongly about saying this. What, what I'm talking about is not talking about abuse. We're not talking about abuse. If someone's being abusive, it is not a loving thing to cover over that. It's not a loving thing for you. It's not a loving thing for them, and it's not a loving thing for the people that are the collateral damage of that. It's not a loving thing to just swipe, wipe or, or sweep abuse, rather, under the rug. It's, it's, a, it's a loving thing to call abuse for what it is. So don't think I'm talking about, like, if somebody's just being abusive to you, that you just got to take it. That's not loving. And it's important that we understand that. Relational health is better than perfectly met expectations. Finally, number three, it's short-sighted to treasure something that is temporary and mistreat someone that is eternal. It's short-sighted to treasure something that is temporary and mistreat someone that is eternal. You may hear me saying, well, I never get to say no. I never get to rest. I never get to paddle on by. I never get to take it easy. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying when you make that decision, make sure you're not being too selfish by protecting this box of expectations, but that you're actually putting the needs of other people over your own So, this is my challenge to you. If we're going to pull out all the stops for something this holiday season, it doesn't have to be the pumpkin pie. It doesn't have to be the turkey. It doesn't have to be the cranberry sauce. If we're going to pull out all the stops, if we're going to go all the way, if we're just going to invest everything in something, it doesn't have to be the decorations. It doesn't have to be the Christmas cards. Let it be the people that are around you. Let it be the people that need to be drawn back into your life. Let it be those relationships. Let it be the people that are more important than your expectations and your plans. We're going to turn it over to the uh, the elders this morning. I'm going to ask, uh, I believe, Dale to come up and uh, begin our process.